words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Put your hands together. Let's receive Pastor Chin Talk. Thanks, people. Thank you. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Please sit down. Sit down. Amen. The night is already fast spent. I would have sung a song or two, but um, um, no, I'm not singing. <laughs> nope. That ain't gonna happen. They've already finished singing my song. So if I sing it now, everybody will know how I don't know how to sing, you know. Hallelujah. But it, it's so good to be here. Um, it's so good to share with Ecclesia Hills at the first anniversary. Amen. Uh, I truly feel blessed. And privileged to stand with this family um, in such a time. I like to see things when they are still boarding, you know, because um, those are the places where your deepest covenants are made. Those are the places where your strongest um, stay is formed. Because um, the earliest covenants you make are the things that God refers you to many times, even if you are going off track. Many of the times, that's all God will do. He'll say to Saul, remember that when you were nothing in your own eyes, I picked you up, you know, and all that. So I, I love things when they are beginning. And I want to congratulate and thank God for Pastor Mo and um, the entire Ecclesia Hills family. I didn't know what to preach tonight. Whether I should preach Ecclesia, preach Heal, preach Anointed, <laughs> preach Anniversary. I did so tonight. I think I'll just end up being a comedian or something. But uh, glory, hallelujah. I trust the Lord that um, I'd be able to paint, you know, um, a picture of the journey and where I perceive in my heart that God is taking this people. I mean, this people. Thank you, Father. Indeed, you are the one who is at work in us, both willing and doing of your good pleasure. Indeed, it is you who is the center of our focus. Indeed. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. And your right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me. Lord, I remember you. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. And your right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me. Lord, I remember you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Oh, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. And your right hand upholds me. Your right hand 
upholds me. Lord, I remember you. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me your right hand upholds me lord i remember you lord thank you because indeed you anoint us with fresh oil in jesus name and everyone said amen now i want to take the time tonight to try and be as constructive as i can be but when he takes over you will notice um I want us to understand that I don't think that it is by chance that God picked the team anointed for this conference. And if you run through scripture, you will find out that the anointing doesn't come carelessly on any man. It doesn't, alright? I'll give you a picture. For instance, um, you can anoint a man in the natural. You can, you know, just pour oil upon a man. And sometimes God did that by faith, you know. God will pick up a David from sending his fathership and pour oil upon him because God had come to believe on the state of the heart of David, not on the preparedness of David. Glory, hallelujah. Now, certain times God pours oil upon people by faith, all right, um, because he sees the journey, the process he wants to take them through, all right. Pastor Moses started something and we will return there in a bit, but because he sees where he wants to take them through, I have never known a person who lives by faith like God. No, no, no. Faith is God's way of living. So when he recommends faith to you, he's not teaching you how to suffer and believe him for. No, 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 no. The Bible says, The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not faith in. No, no, no. It's not I live by faith in the Son of God. It's the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. So you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and the first hero of faith there is God. Faith is substance of things so far and the evidence of things not seen. For by faith we know that God created the world. So the first person who ever did faith was God. That's how he lives. So faith is not a creation of God so that he can get you to believe in him. No, 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 no. No, faith is the way God lives. The day I found out that actually every man who comes into the world, his name is written in the book of life. Did you ever know it? That it is at the end when the man has decided the way he wants to live that if he did not ever live it, then God blots out his name. That's how much faith God has. So God sits down daily plotting salvation for all men. One day, I was teaching church and I stopped and I said, ah, I said, you hung out with boys irresponsibly. You got pregnant and you want to go and remove it all day. I said, I don't know. I said, that's God saying to you that even though you are faithless, I remain faithful. Because I cannot deny myself. I say, if I was God, your type will never see a child. It's only God who will take a rascal.
and establish a process that makes that he can put a child in the hand of a rascal believing that the child will become the stability that will bring you sense. God, God has faith that he believes in me. I even know he has faith. Because even me, by the time God was calling me, I couldn't believe in myself. Let's start from there. So God's journey of faith, he can pick up a man and pour oil upon him. Not because the man has fulfilled God's criteria, but God sets up a process that causes that the man never walks in the anointing until the criteria is fulfilled. Follow me. You'll get it. Alright? So for instance, God takes up a David early and says, I found for myself a king in the house of Jesse, pours oil upon him, but that David was not ready to rule Israel. He was ready to kill Goliath but not ready to rule Israel. So God stirs up a process that sits upon the darkness of the jealousy of Saul to perfect David. Are you following me? So, no, no, no. It, it was a psalmist who taught us that the darkness is light to him. So when God does the calculation of your life, he adds the darkness. That's the reason why there are certain darknesses you shouldn't pray against. Live through them until patience has its complete work. A generation has to be taught not to pray against everything. The first thing to pray in any kind of prayer is a prayer of inquiry. Lord, who is responsible here? Is it you or Satan? And God will say to you, it is Satan, but he's doing my bidding. Let me tell you the truth. I hope you know that the first fall of Satan, the Bible says, and the angels who did not keep their first estate, God has bound in everlasting chains of darkness. And people are thinking chain. No, 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 no. Demons are still freely walking around now. So what was the first punishment? It's called everlasting chains of darkness. Meaning Satan lost the ability to ever decipher what God is working. So whatever he does can only aid God to fulfill what he wants to do. That's why the Bible says which one of the princes of this world can know. Because if they had known it, they would not crucify them. Stop praying against Satan. Leave him. Leave him. He's God's agent. Leave him. He's God's agent. I asked our church recently, who started Job's trouble? Job had arrived at the place where Satan had given up on Job. So Job was no longer a subject of discussion between Satan and God. And on this day, God needed to justify in the spirit his raising up of Job. Then God said to Satan, you have not spoken to me about Job in a while. Oh. Then Satan said to God, I better forget that matter. Me and you, we know that you put an edge around him. Now, listen, it's one thing for God to put edge around you. It's one thing for you within to maintain the edge. Because you can break the edge that God has put around you. It meant that by principle, Job was not breaking the edge. When you saw the righteousness of Job, it told you that when his sons were going for a party, he raises offering in case. So by principle, that was the reason why Job defended himself against God. That was his foolishness. But the reason why Job could defend himself against God was he was asking his friends, show me one thing I have done. That's why when God showed up, he said, who is this that darkens counsel 
with words spoken without understanding that means what job said was actually true but it stopped his friends from seeing what god was actually doing because god was not fighting job god was raising him and job spake as though the almighty was against him that's why god's answer to job was were you there where were you when i called the ocean so you would have given me the respect of the space of my sovereignty to say to yourself there must be something i am working that you do not understand then at the least if you are taught like that then maybe you would have inquired and if you had inquired then maybe i would have revealed to you so job did nothing wrong who started his trouble god what was the idea do a justification in the spirit that makes that we can double this guy and let me show you how useless satan is satan is not a subject no 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 no. scripture has never spoken about satan like a threat how did he say you should beat the adversary that is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? did he say carry knife he said just be sober in your right mind and vigilant watch because all he has are tricks so if you stay in your right mind you will stop his tricks every time Satan said to God he said you are the one that did the setup now and say he's fully covered then Satan said stretch your hands now and touch him and if you touch him you will see how he'll deny you then God said go everything that he has is in your hand but upon the man lay nothing that means that as far as my life is concerned B.I. Satan cannot do beyond what he has taken permission for no 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 and God is faithful who will not let you be tempted beyond that which you are able that means every trial is a revelation of how much God trusts you oh you didn't hear that so if the child feels very heavy well, the first thing you should be saying is Lord so you trust me like this Lord you must show me what you know about me that I'm yet to know about myself because from where I stand this thing is feeling heavy but you have said you will not let me be tempted beyond that which I beg let's leave that Satan matter he can't do beyond what he has taken permission for and a guy or oh Job let me stretch you a bit Job stood like this in one day I said to them you are the one who started reading the story from Job chapter 1 and heard that the sons of God gathered and Satan presented himself with them you are the one Job did you read it he didn't read it the story started for Job waking up in the morning and stretching his body then they told him all his businesses shut down at once if your business is shut down every two two months your multiple streams we should have called for village deliverance on your head because ancestral spirits are following you but a man woke up and every one of the multiple streams of income he has shut down at once then to worsen it his multiple streams of children also shut down because you know some people have sense so they give birth to 10 so that if something happens to one or two they still have like eight so imagine that that's the reason why job gave birth to 10. satan waited for all of them to be in party 
in one house and brought down the on the same day he was sorting down all of now that's not the point because some of you are thinking god should not try that joke with me or he should not he shouldn't try giving that kind of permission on my matter yeah 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 because by the time we are ending the service you will see that you cannot carry an annoying thing that you were not tried for some of you don't know that where you are now is a product of the prayers you prayed yesterday if you only knew that what you were passing through is the answer to your prayer Paul said I reckon that the sufferings of these present times are not worthy to be compared with the God will not permit it if there's no glory waiting the moment you understand it you enter every season with rest people that's not the matter oh Many people don't ask how long was it between when Satan took permission for the first test and the second test. Because whatever was the duration of time, both Satan and God agreed that the heart of Job and his allegiance did not move. So what kind of a human being was he? No, no, no. God said to Satan and Satan agreed. That see, though you moved my hand against him, yet... And even Satan did not say no. Satan said, ah, yeah, okay, yeah, yes, yes. Actually, we touched everything, but you are the one that said I should not touch his body. Now, if I had added his body to the things I've done eh, one time, what Satan was saying is there's just one last straw. If we drop physical pain on him, it will break the back of the camel. God said, I know what I've invested in my man. He said, drop it. And Joe woke up, maybe after three months. So imagine the mind attack that Job went through within whatever time it took for God and Satan to meet again and agree that Job passed the test. Because really, the passing of the test is I fear no evil. That's the passing. No, the passing of the test is not I survived. He said, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Because what was the test? It was so that we can see whether you know for thou art with me. That means there's a confidence that shows up in your response that tells us at what level of faith you are. So when Paul said, none of these things move me, neither do I count my life as anything. He was actually speaking from a place. That's why I sang that song. On my way, I remember you. I think of you through the steps of my day. On my way, I remember you. I think of you through the steps of my day. Oh, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. And your right hand 
upholds me your right hand upholds me lord i remember you we're coming there just follow me we need to journey the journey that causes that anointing that god laid upon us by faith to activate into our you know the place where it can now actively because the ultimate end of the anointing sir is the declaration of heaven concerning a new day that means it takes a man who's been anointed by god to birth a new day on the earth so god has to process you because when you see what it takes to birth a new day he said i took you through the 40 years journey so that you will not see war and turn back whatever it took between those months days whatever have you imagined how many times satan attacked the mind of job have you imagined how many times satan put pressure on the mind of job to say to him all of your businesses are down your children are gone my friend it wasn't his wife who first said cause god and die couldn't have been her satan would have said it again and again what did you do against god but at the end of the day even satan agreed that job's heart did not move satan agreed i i said that to say this but adventure you are going through a trying season of your life is not a sign that you are forsaken it's a sign that heaven trusts you and it's a processing that permits you to enter into a next phase of the anointing the moment you register it you will love trials quoted a scripture this morning romans chapter 5 he said we do not only rejoice in the hope of glory he said but we rejoice in our tribulation also because we know that tribulation works patience patience works experience experience works hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy ghost It means when we arrive at hope, we are too sure that there's a new day coming. We are too sure. So every Christian is supposed to enter into a celebration mode the moment trials begin to come. Hey! Because it means that there's a joy, a glory set ahead. So what you must be concerned about in the face of the trial is whether I'm passing the trial or not. Because you see, even Jesus was not anointed for free. Hebrews chapter 1. Scripture said God was speaking concerning his own son. And he said, because you love righteousness. And you hate wickedness. Therefore the Lord has anointed you. That means that the anointing is a byproduct of a state in the spirit. So God didn't say, this is Jesus. Let's cook more freely anointing. He has tried for us. He has left heaven. No. When he arrived here, and God said, There's a criteria for this oil of gladness you want to carry that sets you above your fellows. Because you see, sir, the grace that Moses enjoyed, you were speaking about Moses earlier, was the fact that God permitted him to walk the path that Israel will walk before Israel was brought out. Now, because Moses walked that path, God could now trust him 
to set him above the rest of Israel so that Moses could translate his experience into Israel. That's the reason why it is natural for you as the leader to be more tried or tried earlier than everybody else. Because you have to comfort others with the same comfort wherewith you are comforted of God. So there are certain things you are going through today that has nothing to do with you actually. But because you chose to be anointed pastor, God has to take you through it because he has to prepare you to be comfort to somebody else. So, let, let, let's... What, what exactly is this journey? Pastor Moses said it. He said the greatest illustration for the Christian journey is actually the journey of Israel from Egypt to the promised land. And beautiful picture. But there was only one thing God was trying to achieve. Rest. Rest. Just be still my child. I know your ways. And I will guide for my name's sake. Plunging the rivers of my grace. Rest in the arms. Of my embrace, be still, my child. I know your ways, and I will guide for my name's sake, plunging the rivers of my grace. Rest in the of my embrace that's the ultimate end of the journey God started with them from Egypt because if you read Paul in the book of Hebrews Paul said for if Joshua had given them rest God wouldn't have needed to say later on in David that there remains a rest so it is now obvious that there is a rest waiting for the people of God and listen to me, you will find out that the day of the greatest achievement of the church will be the day of rest and coming. And sir, the next anointing that is about to come upon the earth can only rest on rested men. Yes. Follow me. There's something God is working on the earth. There's something he's working on the earth. I don't like time. I'm waiting till we get to eternity. If God gives me the privilege of teaching heaven, you are in trouble. P.I. has always had dream is that she'll be choir master of the choir I'll belong in. Because of how much I've taunted her on this side of eternity. I've told P.I. if we are singing, just be reciting the song. Recite. Just leave us to sing. You'll be just reciting. I met a brother like that in Benin. So, if you're singing, make me your vessel. No, no, no. Because of what he knows about himself. That's the counsel I've been giving. You said, make me a vessel. Then all of you sing. Make me an offering. Make me whatever. <laughs> yeah, I said, God does not hear the melody. Anything you want to say, just say it. <laughs> I 
Are we together? Oh God, I perceive strongly, strongly the working of the Spirit here. Strongly. I'll be surprised if there's no breakout at the end of this teaching. I will be surprised. Because the river is boiling here. The river is boiling here. You will know it. So, understand that the essence of the entire journey was to bring them to rest. Forgive me. I, I don't teach reading a lot of scriptures. Those of you who know me closely, you know. Because the work of the pastor is not to read your Bible for you. The work of the pastor is to bring understanding to what we suppose that we have all read. So just in case you have not read the book of Hebrews, take this teaching afterward. Then read Hebrews 1 to 4. Then start listening to it again. Because that time that we'll be using to read the scripture is counting. I say we are in time. We are not yet in eternity. When we are in eternity, I'll say, okay, read from Hebrews chapter 1. Read to chapter 13. Finish it. Unfinish. We can now start saying, okay. You see, that thing. <laughs> now we don't have that kind of time. So can I go on? Now, notice that the entire essence of that journey was to bring them to rest. And there was a basic connotation that Paul left to know a people who have arrived at rest. He said, and everyone who has arrived at his rest ceases from his own works, even as God ceased from his own when he declared that he had rested on the seventh day. Now, second indication, he said that they could not enter the rest even though the works had been finished from the foundation of the earth. And his proof that the works had been finished from the foundation of the earth is that he declared in a certain place that God rested on the seventh day. That means that the rest of God has an implication on us. Just like every other six days of creation has an implication on the earth. Okay, sorry. The way you looked, I have to apologize for saying that so that without to explain it. Alright? Every one of the days of the six days of creation has an eternal implication on the earth. Right? Those six days of creation is not God forming things. No, no, no. When he was forming things, it was in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 1, he was determining the days of the earth. And he was determining that by the sixth day, Christ will die. His bride will be taken from out of him. Then he and his bride will become one. And it is that oneness that will birth the seventh day. The day when men cease from their own labors and enter into his works. Because the season of your labor is not the absence of works. It's the absence of your own works. That was what God was indicating in the law of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is the seventh day. In the law of the Sabbath, God was saying to them, that's the reason why you don't understand the law of the Sabbath until you see how Jesus defied their interpretation. Notice everything Jesus did that they rose up against on the Sabbath day was not his own works. It was the works of God. So healing the paralytic, all of that, you will find out that what he, what he, he look at that, he said, "You hypocrite! Which one of you will your goat fall inside a well on a Sabbath day?" And you say, "Ah, and today is Sabbath, so let's leave the goat to die." He said, "If you know how to save a goat, ought not this daughter of Abraham?" So the idea of rest, I want you to hold that somewhere in your mind, 
Because when we journey the journey of Israel, then you will find out the reason why Israel never arrived at rest. Then you can take that warning and begin to make the transition. Because as it is, the Lord will not permit for the fullness of the manifestation of the anointing until you have fulfilled this criteria. What an honor to be ordained and anointed. To be your man and your scepter. Dance in the rhythm of your heart. Oh, what an honor to be ordained and anointed. To be your man and your scepter. Dance in the rhythm of your heart. What coming? Follow me. So the essence of the journey was to bring them to the place where they are at rest. So let's explain the journey and explain the rest. And explain why even Moses didn't enter the rest. To find that explanation, we have to collectively go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1 as the beginning of our readings for the night. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1. Shall I trust you people? Are you trustworthy? I don't nearly wish my Bible. Okay. Okay. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were what? under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses where in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat now hear me do you remember that in Hebrews chapter 2 the Bible said that the same word preached unto them is the same word preached unto us but the word didn't profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it right now, this scripture proves to you that the same word you are hearing is the same word they heard. For instance, <clears throat> moreover, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant how that all our fathers were, what? How many of them were under the cloud? All, right? And all passed through and were all baptized unto Moses where? And that means that, let's, let's explain this. You said the first thing you find when you come out of Egypt is the Red Sea. The first thing you find when you give your life to Jesus is your baptism in water. Okay. So the Bible says, while they thought, so the people who didn't have faith, Maro, were thinking, God is delivering us from Egypt. But here, God was saying, we are baptizing these people here God is delivering us here we are baptizing that means that faith is holding the same account that God has so did you actually ever read the psalmist in Psalm 103 saying he made known his ways to Moses but his so when you find a generation that is bound to the acts of God they will never be able to mix anything God has done with faith hey! so faith is not ours healed Faith is not I bought a car. Faith is not I built a house.
So God was baptizing. Israel was too engulfed with shouting, Ah, Lord, why do you take us out? Ah. And when the, when the river opened, Miriam hit a tambourine, and I'll sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. I'll sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the seas. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. They sang and danced. Listen, listen. Let me show you how significant it is. What does water baptism signify? New Testament believers. I died with Christ and I am now risen in the newness of life. Stop. 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 Let me explain that to you according to Romans chapter 8. According to Romans chapter 8, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Slow down. But what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. That means that when I was an unbeliever I was held under the tyranny of a pharaoh called flesh. Aha. Uh -huh. The moment I arrive at the sea, when I sink myself under the sea, the new man arises and leaves every tyrant pharaoh. So, what used to hold sway in my flesh that made that fulfilling the will of God was impossible is supposed to die in water baptism. Aha. Uh -huh. This is where the real challenge is. The real challenge is that we come out on the other side and forget that Pharaoh is dead. No, no, no. Every time they said, take us back to Egypt, to who? Pharaoh is dead. No, no, no. Do you understand me? So Satan now comes to you and he's trying to make you think that the way you lived before you got saved is something you miss. No, no, no. According to the law of salvation, that Pharaoh is dead. That's the reason why what they could not do. Because when the Lord said, Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, what it was revealing was that there was something buried in their flesh that made that they could never be able to arise and do the will of God. So, first baptism for every Christian water baptism. Almost immediately following it. What is our second baptism? The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hebrews 6. The doctrine of baptisms. There are two. Did you notice that come to, I believe, Numbers 11 or so? The Bible says, 
that where the cloud went, they followed the cloud. <laughs> as many as are by this, these are. So if the cloud remained, then they remained. Whether it is for days, for weeks, or for years, as long as the cloud was not moving, it's written like that in scripture. As long as the cloud was not moving, Israel was not permitted to move. And if they settled down, so let me ask you, how did Israel live? Could an Israelite build a mansion? Could they even gather mud and say, let us build a house? That's why when the Bible was speaking about the faith of Abraham, he said, and Abraham lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. That means, listen to me, God does not expect you to establish anything that will stop you from obeying him. You don't know how many ministries have died because men established things they could not transit from. The problem is not that you built a building. At least I'm building one now. The problem is that you became so attached to it that God could not move you from just. So you see, I was speaking at the Potter's house yesterday and I, and I said to them, the Bible says for where the, your treasure is, there your heart will be. See, it's not what you built. It's how much it has control over your heart. So the value of a thing is not in its cost. It's in what value you place on it. It's you that gives anything value. Is you. So I said to them, if you bought a touchlight phone, 12K, you can stand up and leave the phone on the seat and walk out. Then you remember later, you forgot phone. Then you now calculate how much it will take for you to come back. Then you say, I beg, I beg, I beg. Anybody will find me for making keeper. I'll do well, come back tomorrow. Have you? But if you bought a phone, 600,000, If you were in Ibadan and you remembered that you left that 600,000 iPhone in Radisson, you'll be shouting, turn back, turn back, turn, turn back. Yeah, I've not gone too far. The car is turning, you are thinking, who is around there? Because every second counts. But adventure, the second when the thief is supposed to see the phone, it has not arrived yet. Let's find somebody quick. You have gone online. Radisson Blue. <laughs> Contact. <laughs> Hello. Check that on. Because that's what you consider treasure. I've asked God never to give me anything I cannot walk away from. I've prayed it again and again. Lord, what I cannot walk away from, I don't want. I don't want. Because, let me tell you the truth. It's the same value. That's how you are supposed to value spiritual things. Ah! Oh, that man of God is coming. Ah! Oh! He's going to Mina. There's Boko Haram there. I beg. God knows my heart. I like the man of God. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Then they call you and say there's a business deal to sign in Mina. Two billion. <laughs> uh -uh, that's too much, Abby. Let's do like 100 million. 
you will carry the whole police escort in Abuja and be going to Mina. You'd be telling the police officers, don't worry, you are settled. You have not settled them yet. No, you poor. Let me just reach Mina. It tells you what you value. So if the cloud rested, they rested. If the cloud moved, they moved. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are... Now, excuse me, what was Israel following? Israel was following shade and fire. God was baptizing them in the Spirit. If you go to verse 3, Israel was eating food. God was giving them spiritual meat. Israel was drinking water. God was serving them spiritual drink. So, listen. It then meant that faith, as far as God was concerned, was for Israel to interpret accurately the workings of God. Now, hear me. Let's throw it out in your own day. How many times have you fought the leading of the Spirit because what He was leading you to do did not look like He had your physical advantage? Wait, oh, Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. No, 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 no. No, I wish somebody heard me. Jesus, the Son of God, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to one end only, to be tempted of the devil. You can't begin to tell the kind of things the Spirit can lead you into. You cannot. Eh? It's when you say, Lord, call me, that God now taught, I need to send one loose girl into this guy's life. Because we have to deal with how he handles loose girls. And then you are thinking, my security is, I will carry my wife everywhere. I know. That's how I'm going to survive. <laughs> God will set you up, they will post your wife to walk in England for three months. Because I hope you know that anything you fled from, you have not yet overcome. Scripture recommends fleeing youthful lust. Yes, it recommends it. The reason why he recommends fleeing lust is because if it is lost, it means it already, there's something inside of you responding to it. And because there's something inside of you responding to it, that's not the time to pray in tongues. You are gone already. You are just waiting to happen. So God said, instead of you to wait for the happening, take off. But whatever you had to flee from, you have not yet overcome. Because whatever you have overcome, the instruction in scripture is resist the devil. So you can run from the girl until the day you look at her. Wear your clothes. What's your problem? People don't go around naked. You have to arrive at the day when if she holds your clothes, what, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? and there's that ability in God there is you know religion taught us to run away from everything well, only Jesus Kai, some things Jesus did you have to you have to think whether he's ever wise behold I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves, no wise shepherd takes that kind of decision. 
Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Then he said, there's a survival strategy. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It means that if you have to consistently run away from wolves, you don't understand your assignment yet. Your assignment has to plant you in the center of wolves. I hope you know that every day David saved a sheep from the mouth of a lion or a bear. He was the potential food when the lion was done with his sheep. I was preaching a pastor's conference and I said to them, listen, one of the things you must do as a church leader is stay under that light until every darkness goes. Because you are going to need to save a girl who is stripping for you. You're going to see people pass through church whose monies you know can settle you forever. Ah. Then you know that at this point now, if I say something, I can do one prophetic something. One prophetic something. I tell you they are chasing you from your village. But to break this course, you need to drop like a 20 million first. Then we'll now tell you next week that 20 million was not enough. When I checked this thing, the dimension of where they were doing you from. Ah, just make it a round figure. Make it 50 million. So we can pray properly. Listen, I, I, I got up and I said in church recently, I said I disdained the rich. And people thought I was mad. I said to them, I had a consecration with God early before I began interactions. I had a consecration to say, Lord, if you don't have a man's heart, I will not take his money. I said, he made that your money means nothing to me. Not nothing. Some great guy. Apparently, he's been a big guy in town. I didn't know. Had been coming to our church for close to seven months. I never said hello. say hello our earliest greeting started like two months ago until today i've not asked him where do you walk the reason is because certain people need to enter church and then you humble them first sit down i said so that the day i take your money your life comes under my radar if you find something that does not conform to jesus brother what's that I hear you're hanging out some girl. Huh? Now, God has to do that dealing with you before he gives you leadership in the church. You and I know that most of the problem of church leadership is that we have sacred cows sitting in church. Whatever they do will pass. Because they handled half of the building project. Peter looked at a guy and said, your money perish with you. I told my church, I said, if it's poverty that will kill us, we'll meet on that tree. <laughs> and recently, we had to meet on that tree because we were driving out of our former venue. So while we were putting together a makeshift arrangement before, you know, while we were building, so much was happening at once. One of the Sundays we arrived, there was no roof. 
all of us sat down there. You couldn't even set instruments there. And we worshipped under the power of God. And then I knew that the instruments aid us, but they are not God. That, that's not, hey, they aid us. I told her, I said, sometimes we shouldn't try it. I shut down the instruments and lift up our voices. Rest. So God was working in the midst of Israel. He was working. But Israel was never interpreting what God was doing from where God was seeing. That means, listen to me, the faithfulness of God can keep the works of God happening in your life and around you, but doesn't mean God is pleased with you. Okay. i said it again. The faithfulness of God can keep the workings of God happening in you and around you, but doesn't mean God is pleased with you. That means, what will get God pleased with you? It's when you arrive at the place where you and him become yoke fellows. Alright? Let's, let's drive this rest thing so that we can... We can Speak about the anointing. Very simply. I thought it this morning. Matthew chapter 11. Many people read Matthew chapter 11 only within the context of the first. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And that's the rest that many people in church know. So I came sick. God healed me. I was in trouble. God saved me. I was broke. The Lord provided for me. My heart was troubled. The Lord comforted me. That was the first dimension of rest. But that's not where rest stops. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. That means true rest is not God delivered me. True rest is not God saved me. It is that having saved me, he now put his yoke upon me. Now, number one, no yoke is carried by one animal. Every yoke is carried by two. And if he says it is my yoke, it then means it is you and him that are bearing the yoke. And every yoke carries with it a burden. And the burden of the yoke is not to weigh down the cow, it's to fulfill the work. But look at this, the one who invited you to carry the yoke, I, I explained to them this morning at the potter's house, I said to them, listen, it's not really that the body itself is light, it's not that the yoke is easy, it is that the one carrying it with you, to him that yoke is nothing. You get? So, if he looks at you and he says, do me a hundred million naira project, you are thinking, hey God, where am I getting a hundred million? But with him, the cattle on a thousand hills are his. So he's not thinking where he's going to get. All he needed from you is to say yes, Lord. The moment you say yes, Lord, and you start the journey, you will, listen, I found out God does not provide for anybody before he starts. If it's God you want to work with, I'm not speaking just in the light of money. There are graces you cannot unlock until you say yes to certain callings. So you cannot be standing and telling God, I cannot speak. Lord, don't give me a church. Because what you did not know was that coming with the assignment to pastor a church is the unlocking of a door of utterance. But God will not cause you to utter before you start. 
so that it might not be of works so that it might be of grace if not you will boast so where's the room for boasting it is gone and notice God will never give you a project you have the ability to fulfill never because as far as God is concerned he is the one who is all sufficient you are not the moment you realize and that's the reason why listen to me there are, oh my god there are places that we should have entered into right now that we can't enter because we have just refused to say yes to god and the only things that we will ever ask of the lord and believe for are the things that concern us not the things that concern him and rest is when you cease from your own works and take his yoke upon you if it's his yoke you took, it means that the burden that you are carrying is his burden. And the work that the burden is doing is his work. So it's easy for me now to believe God for anything because if I'm ever believing for it, I'm believing for it for his sake. If it's his work, he will do it. There are people sweating to build one house. That done 15 years. The house is not complete. I still buying three bags of cement to complete it. The reason is because it's not a God project. Hear me. Listen. I found out that in the law of rest, God on the seventh day rested from his works. He rested from his works so that he can do your works. And he expects you to rest from your works so that you can do So is God working? Yes, he is. My father worketh. He sat I work. That means God is still working. But all the works that God is working now are works that concern you. So the whole of the attention of heaven is on you. So when you sing songs like, he knows my name, that's what you're talking about. God wakes up every day burdened concerning you. <laughs> That's why I said you cannot be worrying about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, where without you shall be clothed. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. That means that as far as your life and your provision is concerned, it is his business, not yours. You don't need your faith to do anything that is personal. Did you hear me? If it's God who told you to build a house now, what he will actually say to you is, Tintok, let me build a house for you. Then you will watch how he will send the provision. Let, let me break something here. Let me, let me hit the breaker here. And then. then we will press into the anointing. I hope you know that the time and the energy you are using to think about the next project of your life is the same energy you should have been using to think about Lord what would you have us do now so when you are thinking ha ah, when will I buy that car if I just buy that car that's faith energy you are using <laughs> what you are supposed to be using that energy is how many nations can we take now ah ah show me a lost person that we can Lord how do we do about those guys in prison Lord what so every moment you used to worry 
was actually faith energy converted to the negative. And Jesus said to you that there is no way worry can add a cubit to your stature. And then he gave you a limiting line. First Timothy chapter 6. He said, having therefore food and raiment. That means if you have clothes to wear and food to eat in the morning, wake up every day saying, God has been good to me. Then what? That's, that's what he recommended now. Seek the kingdom. Then all these things people are seeking will be added unto you. That's the only way you can get the boldness to speak to whoever God asked you to speak to. Because you live for God and him alone. And that is true rest. And God will wait until he finds a generation that has rested. I said to you, the next working of the anointing is with those who have rested. And I'll tell you the reason why. And then we'll close. Or then I will close. I don't know what Pastor Mo has in mind. I will close my own. Now, knowing that I and God need to agree as to what he is doing in my life so that I can partner with him. It's important that you understand that according to Habakkuk chapter 2, I hope you know that um, generally when we read that scripture, right, the vision, right, make it plain upon tables, we read it more as principle than we read it as prophecy. I hope you know that. Because what we actually read in that scripture is write a vision. But the Bible didn't say write a vision. The Bible says write the vision. Right? Now nothing is wrong with using that principle. Because to use it as principle, you have to convert D to A. So I can take up the vision of my life and write it down. And make it plain. So that the people who join me to run that vision will be able to understand what we are all about and then run with it. So as principle, it is excellent. The only problem is that we taught it as principle for so long that we did not actually see that that's not a principle, it's a prophecy. Because in that scripture, what you have is write the vision. Make it plain upon tables. And the essence is, he that reads it may run with it. Now, if it is division, sir, it means that whatever it takes, God will stay upon this vision until it's fulfilled. Because if God says that he that reads it will run with it, it means that God expects, number one, it will take more than one person to fulfill this particular vision. And number two, it might also mean that the full fulfillment of that vision might happen generations after the vision is given. Okay, let me come again. Looks like many of you didn't get it. Should I take it again? Number one, if it's a vision that needs to be written so that people will read and run with it. It means one, that it will take more than one person to fulfill this vision. Do we agree? Secondly, it also means that it might mean that that vision cannot be fulfilled within the context of one generation. So, one generation will start it Another generation will take it from where that generation started it and push it forward. And a third generation will take it and push it forward until, but because the vision is written, generation after generation after generation, they will finally arrive at the place where the vision that their forefathers were running for is now fulfilled. God has been planned some better thing for us. That they without us will not be made perfect. 
That means that there's something that our fathers had been running for. That the perfection of it comes with us. So there's something that is about to be fulfilled in my day that makes David jealous. It makes Paul jealous. Makes Peter jealous. Because whatever they did, they did it to see this vision come to pass. And I said to you, in this scripture, what is written is the vision. Not a vision. Now, how do we know that these two are true? Give me the next verse. For the vision is for... It means that God knew that one generation will set out to carry this vision. Let me say something. God does not give an undesignated anointing. Every anointing comes with a purpose. The anointing of the prophet, the anointing of the priest, the anointing of the king. It then means God does not share anointing. When he gives the anointing, the anointing is always bound around work. Ah, that's not hard to understand, is it? So Isaiah 61, the portion that Jesus opened to read when they gave him the scroll of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me too. Are you following? And as far as God is concerned, uh, has it ever concerned you that in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, of all men that had lived, none has risen greater than John the Baptist. Has it ever concerned you? No, has it ever concerned anybody? Excuse me, which headache did John the Baptist hear? How many dead did he raise? How many crippled? And then Jesus Christ of Nazareth looked at Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, and said that John the Baptist is greater than all of them. Why? Why will he say that? Because you know, generally when we say anointing, people are thinking mighty works. No, no, no. You are not anointed to do big works. You are anointed to do what God has ordained for you to do. So what made John greater than them was two. Number one, he fulfilled what was ordained for him to do. John did not obstruct God at any point. Number two, it was that of all of them who lived, that's why the Bible went on to say, and the least in the kingdom is greater than him. That means everything they did was supposed to point at the kingdom. John was the only one who stood and announced that kingdom that they all lived the shadows and the types of. It also tells me that God does not measure mighty works the way we measure it. So in this generation that they will ask you, I mean, the pastor they see, say which, which church they go? Is it a franchise church? Is it which franchise? Now Mr. Biggs they collect? I'm not KFC. They say, ah, no, 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 I want you to touch like this. As it is heaven. <laughs> Who the pastor? He said, what is that singer? <laughs> he said, let people abide in their calling. Somebody looked at me one evening, no. After I, I was invited to preach in the meeting. And I had just arrived, I had not entered. 
Then he looks at me and said, Chin talk, chin talk. He said, Kai, I great man of God. Oh. I said, Thank you. He said, Well, there's only one problem I have with you and your father. If you say leave only me, if for better, he can't have my father. He said, if you people had stayed with singing, how you people have gone far. I said, this is the guy who is holding my plumb line in the spirit. But he's the one who is measuring how far I've gone. His spiritual assignment. So his problem with us is that we left singing and we deviated into preaching. You know, Kosolimio, he had my father. I look at nearly Kosan. I wanted to say, if I be a man of God, let your right hand wither there. Then I entered the meeting and I was not invited to sing. And I finished preaching. And we met after the meeting. He said, Ah, man of God. That was powerful. I wanted to say, Oh, hate you. <laughs> okay. You didn't call me. You cannot specify my designations. Before my master, I stand or I fall. There are certain things that free you. They just set you free. See, if you look at me closely, you know I'm free of the opinion of men. If you look at me closely, you will know what you think about me doesn't matter. So somebody would have been saying, ha, ah, John the Baptist, see a gift wasting in the wilderness. Just shouting. You would have even gone to the temple where the people are. If you were giving counseling to do for John the Baptist, do you know the kind of things you can tell him? Oh boy, can we strategize? Strategize. Let's take this thing to the next level. If you move this wilderness ministry to the city, man, see, set up your service at Solomon's porch, just beside where the Pharisees are teaching. Because these things you are teaching, the world needs to hear it. Do you know how many people have tried to tell me that I'm at the wrong location? Say, man of God, man of God, man of God. You have to move to Lekki. Don't, this joss, this joss, he said, this thing you carry here, it's heavy. It's heavy. So as you are the one that called me, you now be the one to tell me where the one who called me wants me to be wed up. Assistant Holy Spirit. I've met a number of assistant Holy Spirits in my life. Now, notice, Jesus said that John was greater than Abraham. Because of his ability to stay within the call. That means, listen to me, I don't want to raise one dead if he's not within my designation. I don't want to. When I minister, I'm not under any pressure. There's no... Why? If you look, look at the one preaching now, you will know. What you think when I'm done is your, is your business. So you can tell that I'm not, I'm not trying to impress you. My assignment is one, to raise a generation unto God. That's my assignment. So everywhere I stand, my, the reason why I shout the way I shout is for that generation will hear and answer their call. 
Because it is in their answer that I get my well done. Good and faithful servant. If God did not call me to turn the Red Sea upside down, even if I gather sufficient faith to do it, it is a waste of time. Because hear me, when I found the law of reward in scripture, I entered into rest. Bible says, and the dead rose, and the living, they all gathered. He said, and God judged them according to their works, according to that which was written in the books. Wait, oh. A book was opened, and books were opened. And the book that was opened is the book of life. Then the dead were called, and they were judged according to their works, according to what was written in the books. Stop. That means that your works is not your only judgment. It has to correlate with what was written concerning you before you came. So here I am, as it is written of me in the volume of the books. You read about Peter and you think that Peter was just one rash talking guy. If you had the opportunity to counsel Jesus that week, you too would have told him, do you know how much the world needs you? You can't go around and be saying, I will die, I will die, I will die, I will die. Don't you know that death and life are in the power of the tongue? That's what Peter told Jesus. And Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Then he told Peter where he opened the door for Satan. He said, because you were not able to decipher the things that be of God. That means your first assignment is to decipher God. It's not spiritual rhetoric. Positive confession does not take you anywhere. Confess what God has said concerning you. So if God shows up to me now and says to me, Chintok, your time is rounding up. You will start hearing me say, I will soon put off this tabernacle as the Lord Jesus has revealed it to me. Whatever you think about is your business. See, this thinking saves you from competition. If I hear that Tosi Martins gathered Lagos, I will sit down just and say, TM! Ah! I love that guy! Me? I'm not sitting down thinking, hey. <laughs> now when Tosin Church starts, <laughs> you see where all of us they laugh, saying a franchise is franchise. <laughs> now to see Tosi, I have to feel form. Oh God. We are it's amazing how competitive we are in our minds. And we use energies that we should have used to fulfill our assignment. Comparing and competing. And the Bible says comparing themselves with themselves. They are not wise. See, see, see. See. So he said of men, born of women, known as reason greater than John. One day I thought about it. And I was troubled. I said to God, Lord, I don't want to do big things. I want to do what you have apportioned for me to do. Because the anointing does not come upon you for you to determine what to do. No. Every anointing comes designated. So the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he had anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Bind the brokenhearted. Sight to the blind. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So when Jesus was walking upon the face of the earth, he knew what his designated anointing was for. 
Listen. So we said, write the vision. Make it plain upon tables. Then he said, for the vision is for an appointed time. Give it back to me on the board. Then he said, though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So I stand here and the vision is down there. And there's 12 generations between me and the end of that. That's where God designed that the vision will be fulfilled. Because there's an appointed time for it. Let me tell you about appointed times. Those times and seasons are in the Father. Those times and seasons are not given to men. If you hear appointed time. You see, you can wake up every day and read, You shall arise and favor Zion. For the time to favor has come. Yeah, the set time is now. You can read it every day 16 times. Until the set time comes, it will not come. When you read words like set time in scripture, respect it. Because set times are in the sovereignty of God. Except it is revealed to you that that set time is now. Then you can declare on the earth to agree with heaven so that his will will be done. Hey, I wish somebody heard me. The vision is for an appointed time. He said, though it tarry, that means, sir, in between, he has to raise generations of patience. Who know that this vision will come to pass? But when they take the step in their own generation, see, one generation just passed on to the next. And in this generation, that vision does not look true. But there's a posture God requires out of every man who sees that that vision will come to pass. And sir, that vision is the central reason why God is anointing men now. Let me say it like this. I said that at the beginning and people thought I was joking. I said, I didn't know whether to preach the ecclesia. Because what's the ecclesia? It's not church. The ecclesia is called out once. Let's touch that for a little bit. That's come out from among them and be separate. Where did that start from? Because that's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you read that scripture from verse 12, put it, put it on the board. What, what is called out? 2 Corinthians 6, 12. I, I want you to read it. I would have gone on to quote it. You are not straightened or restrained in us. You are restrained in your own bowels. Find a message translation and put it there. Just this verse. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from your lives aren't small, but you are leaving them. So, what he was saying is there is so much we want to transfer to you. Paul said in, in Hebrews chapter 6, he said there's so much we want to tell you but you cannot bear it now seeing that you have just you have decided to stay around mundane things so even if God has a great destiny for anyone if you have not grown within there's no way God can commit it to you 
So God requires of everyone who wants to see this vision come to pass to posture himself in such a way that the fullness of that vision can be transferred to him. Then you believe in the reality of that vision. That means the mark of every custodian of that vision that we will see is how the person lives. Right? For instance, if we say here we have no continuing city but we seek one which is to come. We don't know when that one we are seeking is going to come. But if they look at us now, here, right now, nobody should be in doubt that we are convinced that there's a city coming. The same way if we pass on that doctrine to the next generation, when you look at them, that means through the times, there will be a consistent character trait for everyone who is waiting for the day of the vision. Oh God. Now, if you have traveled up to this place and the vision has not come to pass, what he's saying is, there's a tendency to think, will this ever come to pass? So he said, do it, tarry. Wait for it. And I wish we knew that we are not here. Pastor Mo, we are not here. We are somewhere around here. Our generation is the breaker generation. But the next seasons will come with dimensions of trial we did not envisage. Do it. Do it. Tarry. Wait for it. At the end, it will speak. It will not tarry. Take me back to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter, chapter 6. Right? I'm trying to show you. Where did Ecclesia come from? See, God can save any, anybody. He can call anybody. But to release the signet of his approval, there's something that must happen to you. We didn't first you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living your lives in a small way. Give me the next verse. Message. Stand, stay there. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and... Give me the King James now. He said, and I speak as unto my own dear children, be ye enlarged. Uh, King James, King James, King James, I'm waiting for you because the next verse, we are used to reading the next verse and not knowing where it came from. Now for a recompense in the self same thing, I speak as unto my children, be ye enlarged. Meaning, I want to, you know, the proof of a man is his fruit, is his children. So I want to be able to take everything God has committed to me and pass on to you. But when I look at you and the way you have chosen to live, you don't have the capacity to carry it. And if I pass it to you just like that, by the time it arrives here, it will have been too misrepresented. So there's a capacity it takes to bear that vision. Now for your recompense, self empty. I speak as unto my children. Be ye enlarged. Verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers. So he's now telling you where you lack enlargement. That you are thinking the same way unbelievers are thinking. You have not permitted the reality of this vision. Hey, 
let, let me jump ahead of myself. If you read Habakkuk chapter 2, you will find the vision in verse 14. That a day is coming when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. So it meant that people lived here. They saw the amount of corruption in the world and they thought, will that day ever come? But though it tarries, wait for it. It shall come to pass. They will not tarry. Knowing that that day is coming, Pierre, it means that there's a manner of man. You do understand me? Peter said, seeing that that day is going to come, when the elements will melt with fervent heat and the world that now is will be destroyed and will pass away, what manner of men ought we to be? That means every knowledge is supposed to convert you into a kind of man. That means you don't know it if you have not become that kind of man. So knowledge is not information. It's transformation. You can have the information. The mark that you believe the information is that you are transformed. There's a man of man. Take me back to that scripture. He said, what? do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? What? Ah, it will... No, no, go there, go there. Christ with Belial. And what part has a believer with him that believeth not? No, go, go, go on. 16, 16 now. I've reached there. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For yea, what? At the temple of the living God, as God had said, what? I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They will be my people. That means if God is not dwelling, he's not walking. He cannot call himself your God. Next verse. Wherefore? That means for this to happen, you have to come out from among them. So what is the ecclesia? Called out once. The ones who have come out from a manner of thinking into a new manner of thinking. It's going to be our 10th year doing church sometime in October this year. When I was leaving to start church and I had a conversation with Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris said to me, he said, God will not bring you out of a church to repeat that church. Did you hear me? That if God called you out of a place, it's because he wants to show you what the next dimensions are. Because God does not need two of one church on the earth. Two. He doesn't need it. The blessing of a son, sir, is therefore shall a man come out, leave his father. That's the blessing of sonship. That does not happen because you and your father are fighting. It is that you have now arrived at age. And by reason of age, what happened? You have looked into how your father lives. And if he has lived excellently, you will take up all that he has lived, but that's not the only inheritance a son has. He also sees the things that his father has not done right. And one of the greatest honor you can give to a father is not to repeat his mistake. I found out that it is psychophancy. To repeat your father's mistake 
It's not sonship. So if God says, come out from among them, it means that there must be fresh paradigms of thinking that he's releasing to you. So there's no ecclesia except it is called out of. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. Notice that this one requires man. Touch not the unclean thing. Then I will receive you. It is then you will be next verse, next verse, 18. That then I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and my daughters saith the Lord Almighty. Seems like the end of it because that's the last verse in chapter 6. Then 7, 1 opens by saying seeing then 7, 1, 7, 1 7 Corinthians 7, 1, 7, having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God now so notice if the vision was being passed from one generation to another what, what is the vision I've already said it right what's the vision until the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's the vision. That that day is coming. And I dare to say to you that that day is here. We are right at a dipping point. But a generation must qualify for the anointing that sets them in that place. And the next seasons of our lives is going to be really trying. I sent in one scripture and I give you one more thought. Really trying. You see, the final church in the book of Revelations, the final godly church in the book of Revelations is Philadelphia. The final ungodly church in the book of Revelations is Laodicea. And Laodicea in that order came after Philadelphia because Laodicea is going to be left behind. But what he said concerning Philadelphia is I know your works. He said, though your strength is small, yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. That's the reason why I give you the keys of David. That whatever you open, no man can shut. Whatever you shut, no man. That's the level of governmental authority the church you are seeing today is about to enter into. Governmental authority is not, I'm not talking about Asorok. God is about to birth a church on the earth that no one can fault. That's Philadelphia. There was not a single fault in Philadelphia. That's the second church that God didn't say, I have this against you. The first church, understandably, was Smyrna. That church lived to die. They killed all of them. And so all of them, they, they just rejoiced to die for Jesus. So he couldn't even have anything against them. But within our own context, we are not dying, we are living. And I says to the, to the angel in the church in Philadelphia, right, this thing says the amen, a faithful and true witness. 
the holder of the key of David, the one who opens and no man shuts, and he shuts and no man opens. Next verse. He said, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. Then he didn't say, because I like your face. I told you for every anointing, you must qualify. He said, for you have a little strength and you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. So sir, if we're going to have a target for Ecclesia Hills, what should it be? Keeping his word and not denying his name. Will we remember how to scheme things? Yes, we will. But we must understand that this is a new day. Will we remember the kind of strategies with which we can take cities? Yes, we would. But will we, should we yield to it? No. We must understand that the patterns that we must walk by now must come from God. And we must understand that our strength is not our qualification. The absence of it is our qualification. I brought a prophetic word to this house just in case you have not heard it. That what qualifies you for this final day of the revelation of the knowledge of the glory of God is that you will your strength might remain small, but you will find out that in the midst of little strength, you will keep the word. So every time you sit together, the idea will not be what's my advantage, it will be what's the Lord saying? What's his word? What's God's principle on this matter? Do you understand it? Oh, how do we treat? Do you realize that there are three categorizations in Galatians that the Bible says God must merge? He said, for in Christ Jesus, there's no bond or free. Within your contemporary language, there's no rich or poor. So when we enter into Ecclesia Hills, how is God equating the rich and the poor? He said, no Jew or Gentile. That's a religious barrier. So, when we enter into Ecclesia Hills, how is God equating the overly spiritual with the non-spiritual? Because an equating will happen. Pastor Tosi, you know, God said something to me now. You know, I was teaching our church recently and I found out that we didn't have to learn what our parents learned. What they had learned and become became the earliest reality we met. So, Uche, we owe our children to mature. That means a day is coming when the church itself becomes mature so that everybody who is getting saved arrives at maturity. Now, hear me. Why does a person get saved and have to learn the culture of love? It's because we are still learning it. If the culture of love had been established in the church, the day a man gets saved, sir, he understands that the normal here is love. Why does a person get saved and have to learn to live above sin? Because we are still, still struggling with it. I hear my children now and they are saying things I learned at 18, 19. And I'm thinking, who told you that? Then I found out that it became an easy reality for them because I have lived it. Then I now discover 
that a generation of the church is coming where men arrive at the perfection of those who have gone ahead. So it will now be known in that day that as you are arriving at salvation, you are arriving within a company of people who live like this, who love like this, who are like this, so that you don't, we, you will not need convert class. And what was the ultimate sign Jesus gave us past year? He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have love one for another. Please permit me to say this. The third barrier is male and female. He has to close it in. So hear me. The vision here, Habakkuk 2.14. Please take me back there. The vision here is that one day, by the church, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. If you live within the context of the Nigerian church, even you will think this vision is tarrying. Because as it stands now, the church is losing respect more within the context of contemporary society. We rarely have a man within the context of the church of Jesus who can speak now and the nation will listen. And we can't say that to disdain our fathers. If not, we'll be cursed children. We can only say that TM to look for a restoration that a church is about to show up on the earth that the world might not like, but the world cannot deny. God knows that I opened of the depths of my heart this evening and I poured before you why I live and how I live. Heaven knows. But you see, the story in Habakkuk does not end in verse 14. The last verse of Habakkuk chapter 2 showed you the kind of man that God will use to cover the earth with the knowledge of his glory. What was the last, what, what does the last verse say? But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth, ma, what does he mean? Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of God? And that what this verse means is that suddenly the lordship of the spirit will be restored again over his bride. See, so that when the Lord speaks, nothing of the earth will compete with him. I'll say it again. So he arrives at such a level of lordship in our lives that when he speaks, we're not even considering our natural circumstances. So if he shows up and he says, P.I., raise for me a president. You're not saying, Lord, who am I? No, the Lord is in his holy temple. Everything earthly. I hope you know that if he shows up now, the earth speaks a lot. I hope you know that. Because if the presence of God was here right now and we said, ask the Lord whatever, you will find out that the first prayers in the mouth of the average person is ugly. But the people have come. 
and in that people is the fullness of the lordship of the spirit established so that the lord is in his holy temple and when he shows up we are not quick to speak the bible says draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifices of fools When God shows up, you don't talk. You listen. So the mark of his lordship in your life is that when he shows up, in the calm of your presence, I am listening, Lord. I am still. I am quiet. I am yours. Let me tell you the truth. Certain people have known God too much to be used for that revival. That's why he's going to discard the great and he will take the base. That's why he will discard the wise. He will take the foolish. The reason is because the foolish will easily lead to the Lord in his holy temple. They will yield to him. The wise has got too much business to attend to this wedding feast. Doesn't mean God will not use the rich. No. God will not use the rich whose strength is in his wealth. Doesn't mean God will not use the intelligent. God will not use the intelligent whose glory is in his wisdom. In these coming days, listen to me. Out of this place, dead men are rising. People who nothing earthly affects. Let the whole earth. He shows up. And then the, the earth is saying to you, you are not successful. That was what Paul was battling with in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, he showed you the pedigree of who he was before Jesus took him. And then he said, and all these things that were gained to me, I count loss. He said, I don't only count loss, I count them as dung. Dung is cow shit. Oh, Paul, you entered Damascus in an escort. Cow shit. You were the best student of Gamaliel. Cow shit. You sat at the head of the Sanhedrin. Cow shit. He said, when I consider knowing Jesus, the excellence of it, there is nothing earthly that can hold me bound. Hear me, saints. This anointing is going to come upon the dead. One other name for them is living sacrifice. And though they breathe, yet they are in sacrifice. They will only do what the master bids. And hear me, Register at Ecclesia Hills that at your first anniversary, the Lord declared that a glory is coming upon the earth, unprecedented. Generations have waited for it. There are certain generations who thought, will this thing ever come to pass? Should I return to living like everybody else? Should I just return to being unequally yoked? They lived and died and never saw that day. But they lived and died so that you can get something to read plainly. He said, write it upon tables 
That table is not chalk. It's not book. Yeah, our epistles. Known and read of all men. That means the manner in which you carried yourself became witness to another generation that there's a hope you are waiting for and the world does not contain it. If you turn back, you will still see fathers who lived like that. Today I watched my wife coming out in the morning. Beautiful, her hair, fine. And then I thought of Mama Folu Adeboy. Abi, she does her first name. Folu Abi. And then I thought, what would have made an Adeboy wear safari all his life? And that woman wear cap all her life. I was just thinking, I don't know what they have in assets. I don't. But I felt that when you looked that way, you would see a people who were saying to you, we have a hope. And that hope is not here. And even if they did it religiously, at least I have given it my own interpretation. To the pure, all things are pure. So I can be exalted that much and yet leave a trail for the generations coming behind me to say there's a glory we are waiting for. It's the reason why we refuse to embrace the earth. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth. This anointing is coming upon that man of people. Lift up your hand and declare by faith, Lord, I am the one you spoke about. It is by me that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. And even if it doesn't come to pass in my day, I am. it is sufficient for me that I tarried, waiting for it, revealing a posture to a coming generation. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is in his holy temple. And you are that temple. Let my temple be your place. Just go ahead and pray. Where your glory is embraced. As I stand in awe and worship you. Let my temple be your place. Where your glory is embraced. As I stand in awe and worship you. See, if you smell in this room, you will perceive that God is separating. God has not only spoken to Ecclesia healed. See how many next generation ministers God sat in this meeting. God was very deliberate about tonight. And for that, we must give him thanks. We must thank him because if the word proceeded from his mouth, it will not return to him void. We must thank him because Ecclesia Hills now lives to fulfill a vision. The franchise church now lives to fulfill a vision. People of influence now lives to fulfill a vision. Whatever you represent now lives to fulfill a vision. Now we know that we cannot build empires anymore. We must live to wait until the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth. Like the waters cover the seas. And that will be our target daily. Father. 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 Thank you for giving us a purpose to live. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you because now we turn back. And we see the reason. Why Abraham arrived at a city. And he looked and he, he didn't have foundation. 
So he was looking for a city that had foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Now we see the reason why David could go through his days in Adulam and Ziklag until he arrived at Zion. Waiting until a particular kind of people arise. For the reason is yet for an appointed time. Many of them got fulfillment of tiny little promises. But they slept not having seen or received the ultimate promise. And you have planned better things for us. That they without us shall not be made perfect. Today we see that we are surrounded about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who lived and died not having seen the day when the knowledge of your glory covers the earth. Lord, now it is our turn. Now it is our time. And like every generation we have, the least we have is the right to believe that you will fulfill this in our day. And Lord, more than any generation, we believe that now is the time. We believe that the prophecies are fulfilled. So Lord, take our temple. Make out of us what you want to make out of us until that oil is poured upon us. Anoint us, O oh God, unto this task and cause that in our day, indeed, the knowledge of your glory will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. We bless you, our Father. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.